Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi everyone, welcome back. Today I want to talk with you all about hormone health. I'm going to get into root causes of hormone imbalances, including infertility, hormone-related cancers, PCOS, type 2 diabetes, and all the other hormone imbalances that many people, I would even go to say the majority of people struggle with today. And the reason why we struggle with these disorders, I'm going to get into that because currently we're kind of dancing around the root cause and we're not really deep diving into that root cause and so um, I want to help clear the air about hormone imbalances today what are the driving root causes Um, so we'll deep dive into that and then hopefully you will have insight by the end of this episode on how to start rectifying Uh, hormone imbalances in ways that support your hormone health long term. So this episode was um, kind of inspired from the last previous two episodes. I talked about dairy, raw dairy, uh, dairy sensitivities, what are driving causes behind those. And um, and so one of the topics that came up there in those episodes were uh was around estrogen dominance because a lot of people today the belief is that um raw milk or I, I shouldn't even say raw just blanket term dairy in general uh drives estrogen dominant conditions in the body um as well as red meat consuming red meat And so these blanket statements have been made. As a result, people avoid these foods that actually can be super nutritious uh, and supportive to our hormone health um, and are actually not the root cause of our estrogen dominance issues or hormone imbalance issues. I'm going to talk about what those root causes are here today, but... um, you know, last week's discussion on estrogen dominance and dairy, it really actually stirred the pot for some, which my work often does because um, it's really counter to what uh, many people practice and, and do and whatnot. And, you know, thank God for that because we need something that's going to help these this current situation with our health, which is, you know... It's just not going well with our approaches today, whether that be Western medical or even functional medicine, naturopathic medicine. You know, a lot of these, or I should say some of these therapies and treatments are well-intentioned, but we're not really getting to the heart of the issue. And believe me, I danced around the heart of of my 
health issues for decades until uh, until I, I realized, you know, that I wasn't getting any better and actually continuing to do the same thing is just making me absolutely batshit insane. So let's try some different things. And, you know, um, so that's got me to where I am today. The reason why I encourage the practices that I encourage is because after decades of trying things for my own personal healing and after my TBI working to heal that heal that and so many things that just totally failed and were super discouraging and disappointing I just I'm kind of a person who is stubborn and won't give up at something and um I won't quit so to speak and so fortunately for my own healing path that was very helpful because um, I could have quit a long time ago and just, um, you know, said, okay, these symptoms from my TBI, I'm just going to be okay with and learn to live with and learn to live with these migraines and this leaky gut that's developed because my brain gut access is totally off from the TBI and, you know, so forth. But, um, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn and, um, really want to get to the heart of things. And so, um, what I share with you and what I practice in my own personal healing practice, um, is a result of my trial and errors of my own personal healing and, um, what I found to work for myself and for my clients over the past, uh, 15 years. And that includes homeopathy, diet, and, and sunlight. And I'll talk about that today, but going back to the estrogen dominance, so, you know, somebody uh, responded to one of my, my posts on Instagram very adamantly uh, sharing how beef and dairy led to estrogen dominance in the body and how could I say otherwise. And, um, you know, uh, I deleted the comment, but this is the thing. This is the misconception is that we have come to certain conclusions around certain foods and certain health practices that actually aren't accurate and that are keeping us stuck in our poor health and and the health that we really want to improve but aren't making so much progress on we're kind of treading water so um the thing i mention often in this podcast is really i want to mention it here because i want to mention it in response to this comment on my instagram um post that you know the woman was like no Dairy and beef, what are you talking about? They cause estrogen dominance. How dare you tell people that they don't? Okay, deleted. You know, if you're going to attack me, that says a lot about, you know, your your just general mental emotional state. But actually, if you all are like, well, Heather, what about this? Because that's all I hear. I hear that dairy and red meat causes estrogen dominance, causes hormone issues and here is what I always go back to and I say this on the podcast often is that if you want to tell you know accurately if a certain food or dietary practice is actually a good idea right who cares what you read on a blog or Siri tells you right if you really want to know like deep down the truth is this accurate you know Despite what anybody else says, I say, ask yourself, 
this question, what will your ancient ancestors do? And now we have to keep in mind that you have to also add to that, what would your ancient ancestors do in the area that you currently live in? Because we all have different food practices, daily practices, the seasons vary where we are. And so that's going to cause our daily life to vary, our diet to vary, right? Okay, so keep this in mind. And know that this is going to vary depending on your geographical location. Okay, many of our ancient ancestors ate dairy and red meat across the globe. Pretty much everyone did this, okay? And um, they didn't experience estrogen dominance issues or hormone imbalances. And what are some of those? We have the estrogen-driven cancers like liver, colon, breast, pancreatic. We have PCOS. We have infertility issues. We have overweight struggles, type 2 diabetes, certain kinds of acne and stubborn acne. These all can be correlated or related to estrogen dominance or imbalance issues in the body in which our ancient ancestors did not struggle with these particular health issues. So if you ask yourself this question around, say, just dairy and red meat, did our ancient ancestors get cancer and estrogen cancers and all these other issues, the answer is no. So we have to dive a little bit deeper to say, huh, okay, well, what is driving these these issues that are so dominant in our culture, in our world today? So, you know, chalking our estrogen dominance issues, our hormone uh, imbalance issues up to, you know, grass-fed dairy, raw dairy, and grass-fed beef, it literally doesn't even scratch the surface when it comes to improving root causes of our hormone struggles. I'm being upfront here, you know, I want to be really honest with you all um, because um, this is an important important issue that is highly misunderstood. So um, let's go a little deeper here because literally millions of people struggle with their hormone health and um, get this. I mean, I like, I kind of live in, I don't want to say a bubble, but um, I'm not someone who lives in the middle of a city or a town and goes, you know, has this desire to go in the middle of town and like interact with, with people. Honestly, I'm, and you might not be able to tell from my podcast, but I'm more introverted. I love being in my home. I love being outside on the land. I love going hiking. You know, simple things. That That's all I need. That's all I really love and need. And, you know, we're getting ready to, to, to start a farm and grow food and have animals. And I'm like, I don't really care if I go into the middle of the city or, or town ever. Like, that's not important to me. It's just not who who I am. You know, I know for other people, they love that sort of thing. I, I personally don't. Um, but I have a friend who lives in New York City. And recently, um, she came for a visit and we were hanging out. And um, she just had a baby. And she she told us, my wife and I, that she was like, hey, you know, I haven't told you all because you all won't even wear sunscreen, but I, I want to tell you because I want to be honest that I, I went the, uh, the IVF route and uh, I needed to do this to have, have a baby. Honestly, I have no judgment about this situation and I just, you know, was sad that she didn't feel like she could tell 
tell us about this up front, but, um, you know, my deeper concern was literate was honestly about her health and, you know, what can I do to help you? And I'm here for you and, you know, all this sort of thing. But, you know, she, she started to tell us her story and her journey about, um, you know, how she had to go this route to have a baby and literally she'd have to, um, go to the clinic and she'd go there with her husband. They'd show up first thing, 8 a.m. in the morning to this IVF clinic in, in New York City. And she said, like, no joke. There were over 200 women in the waiting room before the doors opened at, at 8 a.m. This is a serious issue. This is a massive, massive issue that we cannot get pregnant today on our own. This is a huge red flag. I'm I'm highly concerned for for our hormone health for the continuation of of you know human life on this planet and we we really have to take some measures to change this because our kids are going to suffer and we're going to get to a place where women can't even have children anymore because they're they're simply not healthy enough you know our hormone health is is literally a total shit show today and it's not because we're eating too much grass-fed beef or drinking too much raw milk or eating too much raw cheese it's because of the medical choices that are available to us today they're toxic they're band-aid solutions quote-unquote solutions that actually just quell the current symptoms you know your current symptoms may go away you may be have able to have a baby you know artificially um but these symptoms turn into chronic diseases down the road and the therapies that we're exposed to today they are also very very damaging to the hormones and what what therapies am i specifically referring to here we have a lot of them we have contraception for one birth control you know, anything that you put into your body that manipulates the hormones or how your cycle is regulated. Ooh, I mean, you know, think about how many women are on birth control. Think about how many women even um, go and get a shot and the friggin' doctors let them do this where it totally just, you know, they don't get a period anymore. I had a friend in college and, okay, this was like 20 years ago. You know, a friend in college who at that time, the doctor's like, oh, yeah, sure, you don't want your period anymore. And, you know, basically, you don't want to have a baby. And, you know, what, you know, average college person isn't going to, you know, be sexually active and doesn't want to have a baby. So, boom, just, you know, take a shot and then you don't get your period anymore. How that is even legal is absolutely insane. Your body, your choice, of course, but we have to know the consequences. And then when the consequences come, you can't be like, huh, I have no idea why that happened. It's actually not that hard to figure out why it happened. Um, so birth control is a huge, huge driving cause of our hormone imbalances today. And it doesn't matter if you did birth control, if you were on birth control you know, for two, three, five, ten, some women, you know, 15, 20 years, and, you know, it's 20 years later, if you don't think that's going to affect you for your entire life, even if you're not currently doing it anymore, we have this belief that if we just stop the contraception, the birth control, you know, after five, ten years, 
that we're just, we're going to be fine, you know, if we immediately don't get cancer or some hormonal imbalance, you know, that's, it's just not accurate. This is going to affect you for your entire life until you go in and start rectifying your hormones. So manipulating the period, manipulating your cycle, it's, it's literally, and I don't mean to sound dramatic, we need to really nail this home because maybe you have kids or maybe you're a young adult, maybe you're a menstruating female, because this is literally the worst thing a, a woman can of childbearing age can do is to to manipulate their period or to stop the period this um is a is a really bad idea and it'll lead to premature aging and bone diseases and um cancer down the line so literally um the body functions completely based off of hormones and your hormone health Men and women have very, very different hormones. This is why a while back I did an episode on cold hydrotherapy for women. We always see men being like, oh, cold hydrotherapy is amazing. Jump right in, you know, just stay there for hours. And it's like when you rapidly cool your skin in cold therapy, we know that this changes how the hormones signal, right? You have the leptin, the fat, uh, the leptin signaling that's in your fat cells along your skin. And temperature is one thing that um, the temperature of your skin, it relates to your brain. This signaling happens between your skin. It's called, there's leptin receptors in your epidermis and the adipocyte tissue. And it communicates with your brain. And so it it will release certain hormones and chemicals depending on the temperature um, of your skin. So if you rapidly cool your skin with cold, it will change your hormone signaling. This can be very overwhelming for females. It can actually cause some hormonal imbalances. And so if you're someone who's been on board with cold therapy or you're a woman and you're like, why doesn't it work for me or I feel worse after, head over to that episode. I think it could be really helpful to, to learn more about that. But um, what I, the point I want to bring home here is that the body functions completely based off of hormones. And men and women have very different hormones. Obviously, we women have this ability to carry a, a life, a baby inside of us. And so we have a very different hormonal makeup than men do. Okay, and you know, obviously, what what do we we see this in facial features, right? Women have more of that rounded face. Men have more of the square face. Um, female, our our hips are wider. We have to push a baby through there. Men have more narrow hips. Um, women are just more rounder and curvier in in general. Obviously, we have breast tissue to you know we have to feed. We're we're built to feed tiny little babies and so um tampering with the hormones is uh really destructive it will change your entire uh personality characteristics it has the ability to to really change a person and i want to bring this up it's a touchy subject in many um communities today but I feel like just avoiding the conversation is you know not going to help anybody either 
And so if you're somebody who's listening to this episode and you're a health practitioner or maybe you know someone who's thinking about transitioning, you know, uh, you know, from F to M, M to F, whatever, you know, this is a really big thing right now. And um, it's going to be a huge, huge health issue um, now and in the future because literally our hormones, they, they contain these characteristics that make you who you are, your mood, your body type, your personality. And when people start taking hormones, they quite literally become a different person. And, um, you know, as, um, we, we all have things that we, you know, may not really prefer to do, but our spouse or partner really loves to do it. So we do it with them. And, um, you know, one thing that my wife and her family really loves to do is watch the Academy Awards. I could give two shits, but they really love it. So I go and every year we watch the Academy Awards and, you know, we don't own a TV. So we have to rent a hotel room to watch the TV and watch the awards. It's a whole thing, right? But I go along with it. It's their tradition. They love it, you know, etc. But why am I bringing this up is because this past year we were watching it and Juno or I should say Ellen Page, she is, uh, I don't even know what, you know, they are up on stage and, um, you know, she just went from this transition F to M. Literally, I was like, who is this person? She um, uh, looked lifeless, like super depressed, like a ghost, like a spirit was just taken from her. And honestly, it's because it's because it was like this, these hormones, then the hormones she has to take to transition, man, this is so, so destructive. And the hormones regulate our mood, how we think, how our brain functions. And, um, you know, I'm very concerned for Ellen Page's health, honestly. Um, and it was like, this person was like, the lights were on in no one's home kind of type of thing and I was I was really concerned and doctors know this they know that this is destructive but they make bank on these surgeries and on you know administering hormones to people it's another way to literally keep people tethered to the system you know uh, because if you change your sex, you're going to have a lot of medical issues. If you take hormones to become a male or a female, there's going to be a lot of medical issues that go along with this. And we have to know this as health practitioners or, you know, if you have somebody in your life who's thinking about transitioning, this is a major issue. And I want to say this one other thing because most of this, this issue is, there's a lot of heat behind it. Trans people are very, very, um, I'm not pigeonholing trans people. It's just anybody who feels like they've been a victim of something is usually very sensitive and they want to find outlets that make them feel safe. And so, um, one thing that uh, I have observed and I know a lot of trans people is that there is not one that I've seen who's not in excruciating amounts of pain. 
and um, they want to have surgery, and so they they sign up for the surgery, and you know, it's a it's a whole thing. It's really their pain doesn't go away with with the surgery, unfortunately. Um, so right now, I found this like super interesting. Right now in California, um, people in prison who are trans and they want to, they want to have surgery, like they want to go after M, they want to, you know, or vice versa. They can, um, literally sign up to get a sex change surgery while in prison and the system will take care of 100% of the bill for them. So trans people are like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is so awesome. What an opportunity. And they're literally um, being incarcerated purposefully. They're committing crimes purposefully so they can sign up to be on the wait list for, you know, pro bono sex change surgery. And, you know, if anyone thinks that the government or the prison system is offering this surgery because they're nice and they're caring and they're quote unquote inclusive, unfortunately it's it's literally just not not the case. They want you in their system, they want you under their thumb. They likely think that trans people are a threat to society and they'd rather have, you know, they'd rather control you than you be out there on the streets. So it's um it's really it's really, I, I can't even believe that when I heard that. I was like, whoa, this is insane. But this is an important to bring up today because uh, it's almost become this new trend to be, to be trans. And um, I know this is going to make a lot of trans people upset or, you know, I know it's going to stir the pot a little bit. Um, but I haven't, I like I mentioned, I haven't met one trans person who isn't deeply deeply ridden with pain and the only way they think they can escape the pain is to change their sex and you know then their parents will see them or accept them or you know then you know they can rebel against whoever did them wrong and and feel like they have their power back and um you know so we've we've gotten to this unfortunate place where we think like hey if we you know, cut our cha-chas off, then, you know, we're in our power, but what actually you're in is menopause. So, um, there are massive health, uh, results when we make these choices. And so I know, you know, there's people out there and people who want to be trans who don't want to deal with their pain, who'd rather get the surgery. And it's really, um, an intense situation that's going on in the world right now. Um, as soon as you go through a transition surgery or you remove your breasts, like, you know, women do it all the time. They have cancer and they will have a mastectomy and then they enter menopause. This same thing happens if you're trans. Your doctor may or may not tell you that. I think they have an obligation to, but you know, we don't emphasize what that actually means from a health standpoint. And, you know, most trans people would probably go through with it anyway. But if you're a health practitioner, or if you know someone who's considering this surgery, it's a touchy subject. But um, I'm not going to avoid it anymore, because it's an important subject that we have to know, especially as health practitioners of how that 
when the hormones change, how that impacts society, uh, how that impacts behavior and behavioral disorders, how that impacts the psyche, how that impacts this person's health. So it's a it's a really, really um, big issue. And I'm bringing that in to the hormone uh, health talk here today, because if you have somebody in your life or a client who you know who's becoming trans, they're going to be the most challenging person to treat. There's literally almost no, if they come in with some sort of ailment, um, they have basically um, created a complete 100% block to healing by going along with some sort of surgery or, you know, taking taking hormones. It's a huge block to healing and there there's going to be huge health consequences. Um so, um I'm literally concerned for the health of of trans people. There's going to be lots of cancer, lots of behavioral disorders um that actually result. Okay. The female body, it's designed to act to have a certain number of periods over a course of a lifetime and just naturally, the female body has more fatty tissue than the male body because women pull from these fat stores to make hormones and produce offspring. We have a period every month, and those fat stores are also utilized to produce breast milk, okay? Um, underweight women have issues getting pregnant. They often struggle because they don't get their period, and so... If you don't get your period, this is nature's sign telling you that the conditions are not favorable to reproduce. So it's probably not a good time to try to have a baby. (laughs) Because if for some odd reason you happen to, that baby is going to be uh, very unhealthy. What we don't do, like we want a baby, we want a baby, we want a baby. But we um, think we can just live our life in these mm, how how do I say this you know we don't take care of ourselves we look at screens we don't go outside we eat like crap we drink boatloads of alcohol but we want to have a baby and then we can't have a baby and then we do you know some type of IVF or um you know we we try to do this and because we want to have a baby, but we're not considering how's the health of that baby going to be. You know, if you can't get pregnant, you probably shouldn't have a baby uh, because your body is saying, it's telling you, it's letting you know loud and clear that conditions are unfavorable for reproducing. And if you try to do so, the baby's not going to be healthy. So... You know, I I feel like um, we don't often consider the health of the baby. We just want to be pregnant. And a lot of pressure, you know, this can come from, I, I've seen this both ways. Women really want a baby. The man really wants a baby. The same-sex couple really wants a baby. There's a lot to consider before, you know, having the baby. We have to think about What's the health of the baby going going to be like? Um, so, okay. I wasn't expecting to talk about some of these things. They're just kind of coming up as I'm uh, 
going going through here some of these um notes I've sketched down for the episode but um so let's go back to um these fat stores women have fat stores and we pull off of them our hormones pull, pull off of them that's how we make hormones you need cholesterol you need uh fat you need vitamin D you need vitamin A in order to make your hormones okay and so um when you're uh if you're pregnant you know, obviously, and hopefully you put on a significant amount of weight. Um, and also, it's really important to know that if you, um, after you have the baby, um, you need those fat stores there in place because that's what, it, that fat is going to go into your breast milk to feed and nourish your baby so the baby can make it ha- its own hormone supply. And the like one of the most destructive practices that you know women do is okay, the baby's out and they suddenly want to go jogging with the stroller down the street with the baby in it, and it's like you you this is not the time to go out and be like crossfit champion or run a marathon or stroller baby time. It's like literally just you have to use those fat stores to nourish your kids to nourish your baby, so they don't have compromised hormone health when they get older. So, um, you know, again, of course, I can be, you know, kind of sarcastic and very blunt and and straightforward, but some people literally just don't know that it's a bad idea to go jogging and to start an exercise routine after you've had a baby and that you need those fat stores there. Because if you observe a woman who's breastfeeding and they're breastfeeding, you know, regularly, um, several months into breastfeeding, they will naturally be smaller and smaller and smaller because their fat stores are being shed via the breast milk to the baby. And that is how, you know, nature designed it to work. So, um, okay. So whether you choose to have kids or not, women, after menopause, some women can put on weight. Uh, why, let's talk about why this could be, why this occurs. Um, often this occurs if the hormone health has been compromised in some way for, for several years, okay? And the body's going to start producing excess fat because the hormones are, have already been in this compromised state. And I'll also mention here, I'll also put mention this, is that some women at menopause, they can go the opposite direction and start to lose weight. Um, and this is also a, a sign that the hormones are, are insufficient. Um, usually different hormones are involved in the over, if someone's overweight versus underweight. But it's still either one of these situations can happen. I see it very, very often. Um, but it's a sign nonetheless, whether you tend to be overweight or underweight. And if you have this drastic shift around menopause, um, you know, this is likely because the hormones have been insufficient, imbalanced for, for so many years. And now you go through this huge life change and, um, this is, you know, an attempt to save the hormone health, especially if you start putting on weight. 
this is your body's attempt to continue to create a hormone source for your body, okay? Because you're going to go from the hormones primarily coming from uh, the reproductive organs to now, oh, shoot, where do we, where are we going to pull from? Where are we going to get this from? So, um, this is why, um, one, that we all always want to prevent this and to work on our hormone health, you know, before we get to, to menopause. Um, and, Let's see. And then we also have to know that there are ways to support our hormone health even if one is in menopause. Whether it's, um, there's just other ways that you can support your health because we've been, your hormone health, we've been told that, oh, the female body breaks down and, you know, your fat's going to accumulate or... Or you'll go the opposite direction and you'll get really, really super thin and you know osteoporosis will result osteoporosis by the way is uh, highly correlated to hormone insufficiency um but we're told all of these things are happen before we get to menopause i'm not in menopause yet okay so um but but you know everybody you know women are like bracing themselves for like the hot flashes the shit storm that comes along with it throwing the clothes off sweat pouring down um, you know, the moodiness, the mental fatigue and fatigue and like, where did I put this and where did I put that, right? We're told these things are going to happen, but we can actually have a much more easeful transition into menopause, um, by just practicing some really simple, basic things like, you know, sunlight therapy and diet and homeopathy, Um, but what we also have to keep in mind is that we have set the stage for these hormonal imbalances. They didn't just happen to us because we're, we're women. They didn't just happen to us because we have a vagina. They didn't just happen to us because, you know, oh, bad luck. Women, you know, had a period and, so we're going to have hot flashes in this like horrendous menopause experience. No, these things happen because we set the stage with it. And one way uh, we set the stage with it is um, birth control, contraception. When we try to manipulate the hormones, This, these are things that actually um, contribute to our hormone imbalances. So when it comes to root causes of hormone imbalances, including estrogen dominance issues... The root causes are not grass-fed dairy, raw milk, or grass-fed beef. It's contraception use, sex change, taking hormones for any reason. Um, Now, I'm going to talk about some other uh, contributing factors, root causes of hormone imbalances. But um, before I go there, I want to mention that in my homeopathic practice, when... um, a woman comes into my practice with a specific hormone imbalance. And this is clearly detected in lab results. They come in, here's the labs. This hormone is like way off the charts low. This hormone is way off the charts high. Um, I approach it very differently than the alternative or Western medicine field because 
as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, we have to get to the root of the issue. And if the body isn't producing enough of a certain hormone, we're just trained on either side, alternative or Western, and I am neither. You know, we're just trained to prescribe that hormone to them. Oh, not enough progesterone? Take progesterone. It may sound like it makes total sense, you know? Oh yeah, that seems like a a real obvious one. Just take what you don't have. This could be a short-term approach. However, it's not going to correct the imbalance, the root of the imbalance, because if you discontinue the hormone, the issue still remains. This is always a sign that it's a Band-Aid approach. That you take progesterone, you feel amazing, you're on top of the world, cloud nine, here we go. You get off of progesterone and you're you're on the couch crying and with a box of Kleenex and chocolate bonbons. It's like, we didn't get to the root of the issue here, okay? And so I use homeopathy um, as a way to get to the root of hormone imbalances because it teaches the body how to start producing hormones again naturally, okay? We can do this to an extent with sunlight because when sunlight hits your eyes, it's going to train the body to make certain hormones, okay? Uh, We can use diet because uh, especially when we have ample animal fats and proteins in the diet, these are core ways to support hormone health, You need the cholesterol, you need the fat, you need the protein, the bioavailable nutrients in animal products in order to support your own hormone health. So, I want to talk about another root cause of hormone imbalance that actually I don't think is talked about, at least I haven't heard it very much, if at all. And it has to do with, there's several examples that I could give here. And and there's several varying different examples. But one is with regard to uh, sexual desire. And um, because when there is a release through orgasm in the body, this influences the hormones. It has a huge impact on the hormones. Um you release hormones, you, uh, uh, the body stimulates certain hormones that are stimulated. And I'm going to give you one example here because, you know, that may sound a little vague. So, um, there's a certain remedy in, in homeopathy that is called, it's referred to as the, the widow remedy because this is a remedy for, the remedy is called conium. And, what happens is in certain women, this is particularly a women's uh, hormone remedy, and don't take this if you have a hormone imbalance, like you need to, if you have these symptoms, okay, we, we can consider it then, but don't just take it to take it. That's not how homeopathy works. It's not black and white like that. Okay, but conium is, um, it's a widow remedy for women who, um, when they're with their spouse or partner, the sex drive is healthy, they need this um, very regular release through organ orgasm to 
it supports their hormones. And so their sex drive is at a certain level. You know, it's moderate to high. They they need this daily or very regular release through orgasm in order to support their hormones. Not Don't take this as a blanket statement. Not everybody needs this. But there are certain women who need this sort of release because it helps to balance their hormones. Now, the the partner or spouse dies and the the classic conium picture um their their partner dies and there's no interest. The woman the woman doesn't have any interest in taking another partner and um they don't they in turn they don't have this regular hormone release through orgasm. You know, the classic conium woman isn't into self pleasure they literally they're they're so sad they can't they they can't get past even eight ten fifteen twenty years later after the spouse or partner has died they haven't taken another partner they won't take they can't their organism can't take another partner it doesn't want to but as a result the hormones are not being released they're building in the body and as a result cancer develops. Conium is the classic remedy for women who are widowed and develop breast cancer, particularly when they don't take any interest in in another partner. So, you know, when we're talking about hormone imbalances, there are many, many layers to look at here. And one layer that is not talked about or recognized is the emotional layer. Now you don't have to have conium particularly uh, are, is a remedy for widows, uh, particularly women, and they typically develop breast cancer after the spouse or partner dies because the hormones are not released in the same way that they were when they had orgasm with their partner. So we don't talk about these aspects. There's a million different other, um, uh, you know, examples of this on the intimacy sexual realms that, uh, uh, with regard to how the hormones act. You know, we, we see this often also in spiritual groups. Uh, this is this is another form when in spiritual groups and spiritual cults when. Um, they're told and taught to, you know, not have orgasm in any way, you know, use that as your life force. And um, I have, I used to be in very close circle with a lot of people in very strong Buddhist and other, um, you know, more so spiritual religious groups. I cannot tell you the stories about the men, uh, particularly in these groups who suppressed orgasm, who had, as a result, violent anger outbursts or developed prostate cancer. This is a real, real thing that we have to take into consideration when it comes to hormone health. You have to know how to read your body, what's the signals it's telling you, what are the symptoms it's giving you. We never or hardly often look at sex drive, sexual desire, 
um, self-pleasure desire, uh, how frequently or infrequently we are um, desire to have sexual intercourse with someone or, or, you know, engage in sexual activity with another person. This says a lot about the hormones and we have to understand how this plays into hormone health also because it has a massive massive impact on on hormone health so um i wanted to bring that in as well and of course i've mentioned uh on a totally other uh, different note other um elements that impact hormone health and that is antibiotic overuse It'll totally wipe out the mitochondria, the bacteria in your gut, both of which are very much involved in hormone synthesis in the body. So you think you're treating strep throat and you take streptomycin and other antibiotics as a kid, but then when you get to, you know, 30 years old and you're infertile, you're like, I have no idea why. You know, these are things we have to connect the dots between. We're not told, the doctors aren't told, they don't care, they just want the sore throat to go away and get their paycheck. But we are having very severe consequences as a result of these therapies. Antibiotic overuse, vaccinations, you know, vax history. And then we have to look at um, stress and trauma can absolutely shut down the hormones or cause the hormones to get go haywire. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we have to look at the sexual activity and preferences and desires of a person to understand what's going on hormonally. It gives us a lot of information. And um, this is something that I focus on, uh, or, or I should say during the intake, it's definitely a core part of the intake process sexual desire frequency you know um pain etc we cover all all those bases because they give me a lot of information with regard to somebody's hormone health so um the last thing i'll mention for today and um these are more so practices that are like pouring gasoline on on the fire that's created by all the the birth control and the antibiotics and the vax history and you know etc and those are things like artificial light and wi-fi and cell phone use because i talk about this all the time and 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 really talk about this in the sunlight diet um and i want to mention i i get this is a good time to mention the ancestral diet and lifestyle plan. So, when I ran the uh, that bought that name by people, they're like Heather, you can't call it that. You have to call it the sunlight diet. It's called the sunlight diet now. It is no longer called the ancestral diet and lifestyle plan. It's the sunlight diet. Okay. Um, so I will be referring to it uh, as that now. If you want to learn more about the sunlight diet, go to my. Uh, website heathershepherd.com h-e-a-t-h-a-r-s-h-e-p-a-r-d.com and at the top the header you'll see um over on the the right hand side a tab for the sunlight diet and you can click on it to learn more but basically this teaches you how to um align your circadian biology your light environment your indoor light environment and your outdoor sunlight environment how to align that um 
and make healthy choices in that way to support your circadian biology and your hormone health, um, as well as how to make informed dietary decisions that revolve around sunlight in your variation in your area. Because here's one reason why this is such a core component to our healing processes, because the light that hits your eyes actually sends signals to your hypothalamus, to the anterior pituitary gland in your brain. These endocrine organs in your brain receive messages through the light that hits your retina in your eye, signaling to those endocrine organs what hormones to release and to produce. So if we're constantly inundated with artificial light, which a lot of people are today, a lot of people are doing the screen life thing, the screen work thing, etc. Now there's ways you can be on a screen and, you know, not destroy your, your, this, this signaling between, you know, light, your eye, your, your, the hypothalamus, the anterior pituitary gland. There's very simple things you can do. I lay all this out in the sunlight diet. But what I want you to really understand is this light that hits your eye is super important. It really is is foundational to the signaling, uh, your hormone signaling that starts in your brain. And literally, when we look at a screen all day or a television or every time we look at the iPhone or put up a story on Instagram, whatever, if you're, you know, just looking at a a regular screen, meaning you haven't done anything to change the color of your screen or etc., this is really going to have an impact on your hormones and how your hormones are released. And uh, this is why I'm I'm such a so anti sunglasses because you block the light that enters your eye, and so what color is the lens of the sunglasses? It's super dark. When your retina receives that message, that dark light, it says, "Hmm, wow." It's getting to be nighttime here. Time to pump out melatonin, but it's literally like. I even see people wearing sunglasses at 7 a.m., at 6 a.m., and I'm like, there, it's, it's not even that light, right? It's not that light out. But when we train our eyes to wear this dark lens over it, our eyes atrophy, they become photophobic. And we, we literally, then we go outside and we squint. But what also happens is it messes up our hormone signaling because the light that enters your eye, it's going to send a hormone signal depending, no matter what kind of light it is, it's just what kind of signal are you sending to your brain and to your endocrine organs. If, that, if you're wearing sunglasses and it's, noon outside you've just given the message to your hormones to you know stop releasing cortisol which should be reaching its peak at about noon and instead you know quick turn that off and let's switch over to melatonin which is the nighttime hormone quote unquote you make it in am sunlight right you all know that from the sunlight rx but you um you make this swap it's way too early in the day to make that swap and just by making that swap at that time of day you've already compromised your hormone health in a big big way so these sort of practices are kind of like 
you know, you're pouring gasoline on a fire, you know, all, that's been burning for, for years. And then here comes all these screen and artificial light um, devices into our lives. And, and we see endocrine disorders just absolutely skyrocketing now. So, um, I feel like that was a big episode, slightly controversial, (laughs) um, but, uh, I always like to be honest with, with people and, um, the the reason why I share what I share is because, uh, I care about the health of, of people and I'm very passionate about helping people get to the root and uncovering the root of their health struggles and I have been, um tossed around from one therapy to to another therapy, one doctor to another doctor, alternative, alternative, this and that, with with no results and lots of lots of cash going out of my pocket to try to find results. And I did that for about a decade after my TBI, uh, just to be completely <sighs> devastated and heartbroken after every visit, you know, trying to be hopeful. Um, so my healing really, really turned the corner when I started to, um, learn about and implement homeopathy and into my own personal healing and as well as the sunlight RX and sunlight and a truly ancestral diet, which takes into consideration sunlight variation, seasonal variations, one's own geographical location, etc. And so my whole goal here is what I share on this podcast you know, albeit probably a bit controversial and stirring the pot is um, really aimed to help you all mm, make the most informed health choices you can for yourself. Um, and so I hope this episode was helpful for that and help transform your life in, in some way, shape, or form. Okay, see you next week. Right now, I have two offerings that I want to teach you all about to help support your health. Number one is the sunlight diet, and this is what I refer to as the OG ancestral diet. It's literally the original ancestral diet because it combines a truly ancestral diet that takes into consideration seasonal variations, sunlight, and ancestral foods, and also combines circadian biology, healing, improving your light environment. It combines these two components, putting it into this optimal uh, ancestral healing plan to help support and benefit your health. You can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. At the top of the page on the header, you will see the sunlight diet. You can click there for more details. Number two, if you're inspired to learn more about classical homeopathy, this fall I'm launching a year and a half program teaching people how to use classical homeopathy and circadian biology methodologies to help people overcome root causes of their health struggles. So if you're a health practitioner or if you want to become an alternative health practitioner, I invite you to apply for this program. Application is now open for the program, and you can go learn more about the program and apply at studyclassicalhomeopathy.com.
Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.